Hide your kids, hide your wife, and anyone else who might be easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. Taking a strong, objective look at our current world, it's impossible not to fear for the future generations. On such things as school shootings, the global climate crisis, political turmoil, social unrest, the wealth gap, and the list goes on. So now we pose the complicated but necessary question, is the future fucked? And today I am joined by an awesome panel who's going to help me unpack this topic. I'm your host, Matt Pilata, and this is the Going There Podcast. You got the Spoiler alert, things are about to get messy, cause we're going there. Taboo Topics are back on the table. All right, so I'm going to open the show with a question, guys. What about the future scares you the most? Think about that for a second. And first, I want to introduce the panel, because we have some awesome, awesome guests here today uh, from different disciplines, different backgrounds, who have so many good things to talk about when it comes to the subject. I'm going to start with the Weinsteins. Hi, I'm Casey Weinstein. I am a state representative for the 37th House District, husband to Amanda, father to three kiddos. Happy to be here. Thanks for being here. Yep. And thanks for bringing Amanda. Hi, I'm Amanda Weinstein. I'm an economist and uh, mother of three, wife of one. For now, unless he gets a little, you know, sassy, then you'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Every day, every day. And you're also a podcaster. I am. So I am a host of the Suburban Women Problem. So we like to talk about all of the issues, uh, you know, the right has with suburban women and how we use that. Oh, she got a plug. Yeah. I did get a plug. And they're both veterans. So I feel like that's just a whole other dynamic to the the ball of wax that we're Mm kind of dealing with. And to my left is Mandy. Thanks so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I'm Mandy. I am a therapist and um, co-owner of a private practice. And so I specialize in working with kids and teens. Um, I see some young adults as well. Um, I've dabbled a bit in couples, not my jam as much. I like working mostly with like the, the hardcore teens that are like I don't want to talk to you. And I don't know why that just like cracks me up and I just enjoy it. So much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you who've already watched an episode, you might remember Rachel, but please reintroduce yourself. Sure. I'm Rachel Adela. Um, I live in West Akron and I teach preschool there. Um, don't have any kids of my own. My husband and I are aunt and uncle to 22 of them though. Oh. So that qualifies me a little bit to talk about. And she said we can call her Aunt Rach. You can call me Aunt Rach. So thanks for being here, Aunt Rach. Thanks for being here, everyone. So um, I I hope we can end this episode with some positive thinking and some happy thoughts, but we kind of have to start with, are we fucked? Hmm. So what scares you the most about the future? Oh, here, I'll start this. What scares me the most about the future is, and maybe this isn't, Maybe this isn't unique to our generation or our time right now, but I feel like we are so focused on the now that 
there is going to be like they're either going to have to rebuild from scratch or uh, it, they're going to be so screwed that it's just like, all right, well, humanity had its run. It was fun while it lasted. Good night. I think we need to start from scratch, honestly. I feel like that's a would be a great way. The education system is so crazy right now. There's so much that's been going on where um, I think kids are more anxious than ever over like test state testing over like I think you'd mentioned like I think well we had talked about this too school shootings um a lot of parents like domestic violence went up during the pandemic lots of divorces lots of things going on I mean I think that there's so much that kids are dealing with right now so having a generation of healthy well-adjusted adults who can actually carry on correct I think like more is caught than taught and so what are we actually teaching our kids is like my biggest question. And I think that's what scares me is what actions are we showing them on what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And I have numerous examples of that (laughs) just from what I've seen in like a restaurant, not even from my own practice, (laughs) but you know. (laughs) Or in the presidency. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. anything. Right. So I think that's what scares me the most is like, what are we actually teaching our kids by what they're seeing? How about you guys as parents? I'm pretty sure the earth is trying to take us all out right now. When you look at the fires and hurricanes, like it's trying its damnedest to just take us all out. So like, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll have kids in the future and that the earth doesn't just like take us all out. But before that happens, I think uh, democracy might be doomed. And I think that might be where we're headed. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan was right then, right? One of his worst films, The Happening. Maybe he was like foretelling where the earth tries to kill everyone. Oh, right. oh it's definitely trying to kill the us. The earth yeah. <laughs> makes people commit suicide like in the dumbest ways. Like the guy walks over to a lion. Like I know it's supposed to be scary, but it was one of the dumbest. A lion that's <laughs> so like. And the lion like starts ripping his arm off. I'm like, good job, M. Night. I would, have, I would have bought that scene more if the guy had said, hey, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's got Marky Mark, so I was halfway there. Right. Uh, I don't think I made it long enough for like the plot twist part there, yeah. of that M. Night Shyamalan movie. So. I don't know. I don't remember. That's not a memorable one. So me. what scares you the most about the future is that people might watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he made like one good movie. Um, Six Sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was it. And he's been doing just terrible, terrible movies ever since. Um, no, but like, like we're all kind of saying roughly the same thing, but I mean, without a doubt, climate change, I've just been tuned into this issue since third grade when Mrs. Caulfield explain to us in very simple terms what climate change is, which is basically, you know, you pump a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere and it's like a blanket that keeps more heat in. And little third grade Casey said, yeah, that makes sense. That's bad. That's terrible. I want to live a long, healthy life. And ever since I've been focused on environmental issues to the point that my grandma made me a little environmental quilt that I don't know if you've ever seen this quilt. I don't think I've seen this quilt. My grandma Bobby made me a a quilt like full of little environmental themes because she knew I was so into it. Oh, that's sweet. But like, if you look back into deep time, um, minor tweaks in climate have wiped out civilizations and what we're doing. And those were natural. And what we're doing um, in a short amount of time and so extreme, like we're just, I think, very cocky to think that we're immune from, you know, deep time and and like the the machinations of the earth. Yeah. Right. We we just uh, we're we're playing with fire, literally. Yeah. The earth and will live on. No, we won't. Yes. But the earth will keep going. So yeah. I'm confident. With it. So the I'm happy. Is... Oh, that's fine. That's a happy note. Right. Yeah. The earth will continue on. Yeah. We just won't be there with it. Yeah. I, that's what I worry about. And I'm I'm 
Yeah, but I thought Amanda had a great point on. Um, I have to say this because she's my wife, but I thought she had a great point. <laughs> I'm on looking at him right now. <laughs> near term democracy. This wasn't a concern until the Trump era. It wasn't. A, you know, you may agree with fiscal policy sure, of a president, but they're tied hand in hand. The democ- the fall of democracy, and the yeah. rise of climate issues have yeah very much been hand in hand. And the U.S. is one of like the worst. Uh, you know, countries as far as like climate change and issues and not curbing it. Yeah. So like basically Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max. Kind of like combination of losing the government and losing the environment. I worry that that's where we're heading. I I wanted to say how fucked are we? You know, (laughs) because because yes, everything. What am I scared about? Everything. Climate change, the housing crisis, the healthcare system in America, um, student debt, um, how long do we have? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we could tick down a bunch of major things. And then when you consider that people are dealing with everything all at once. The mental health. Let's crisis. add mental health. Let's exactly. add mental health in there. Exactly. Too. It's it's so hard to stay optimistic and stay hopeful, which is why I'm really happy that I have you guys here because you guys are all very positive people with positive energy. We are positive that we are fucked. (laughs) We live in our own bubble in our, well, I do. I live in my own bubble in my mind, so I ignore what's happening. No, I'm kidding. I I mean, to some degree, and we're going to do an episode on that, like uh, juggling staying informed and staying sane because it's really hard to do because the facts are right there. And you watch some things that you're like, wow, we're moving backwards. The earth will outlive us. I question if your great-grandchildren will live on this planet. I don't know that that's going to happen. From a, like Elon Musk, SpaceX, we're in Mars, or from an extinction perspective? Well, like whatever comes first. Yeah, yeah. okay. Like right. I, I, Well, they said something like the moon or some place, some space base was going to be, not that they were going to have people in it, but it would be able to be a habit, habitat for humans by like 2035 well, or something like hold that. hold on, hold on, because we're kids of the 80s, and we were promised, you know, hoverboards and time travel. I think George Jetson was just born technically, right? Yeah. Like George like, I mean, Robert Zemeckis owes me a hoverboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason that they live in the clouds oh, yeah. because the ground is. Oh, it's fucked. Yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Fifth element. Fifth element. The ground is oh, terrible. Great, yeah. great sci-fi. But yeah, like our future that was promised. I mean, we have. Facebook, but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> that was not it, the future. Thank God we, we have promised. Facebook. No. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, even Blade Runner, like, you know, dystopian, but like, you know, synthetic people and flying cars and massive cities. That was like 2017. That was supposed to be like 2019 yeah. or something like that. We are not where we should be. And I think a lot of it is one of my first points is I think we can't see past ourselves. I mean, we've seen from COVID, from other things, I can't be in any way, like, put out, even if it helps other people, that's intruding on my freedom. I should be able to go out in the backyard and just spray hairspray into the air for hours. Like, that's my freedom. I'm an American. Not we all, but I would say collectively, right? A lot of us can't. Casey, you're dealing with this on a political level, which is the worst level, I think, to deal with the, the climate crisis. Not what you're doing or trying to do, but the inaction or the like, you know, anti-action that we've seen taken, what are you seeing even from a state level about people uh, trying to stand up like yourself to curb climate change and the pushback that you get from, well, let's be honest, the other side? Well, 
to start a little bit of the green shoot optimistic side, I'm seeing um, you know successes despite the best efforts of those uh, running the show at the state house, which I'm in the super minority, deep minority um, as a Democrat there. But you know, yesterday um, the first freshwater uh, wind farm in North America was approved on Lake Erie by the Ohio Supreme Court, despite years and years of fossil fuel energy's opposition to it. I mean, like a decade. That's awesome. They persisted and were, were very likely to- but Wait, don't those, uh, don't those cause uh, cancer? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just I just had to. Uh, oh, wait. Everything oh, wait. does. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I've definitely heard it all. And, uh, you know, we, we've done some things that, you know, I, I find partnership at the state house in doing things for the climate, but not like directly. Like we'll do land preservation. We'll do brownfield remediation. We'll do Lake Erie cleanup. We'll do some things that maybe have some second and third order effects for the climate. Um, but um, then at the federal level, we had it. We have a great bill that's about to be signed yep. into law. You know, so um, we, we're finding a way to do some things and the economics of it. Are so good. The economics. So good. The economics. <laughs> the the economics Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, the name. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a good name. It's a good name. So, like, I mean, the economics are ultimately winning out. And so that that gives me some hope. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it, it's really hard to fight disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I made the joke about cancer, but that was, I mean, our own president was, was saying, oh, I heard that, you know, I heard that that causes cancer when obviously there's zero data. I mean, it, it's it's not even like common sense to think that it would. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the one way to appeal to people is through the dollar. I mean, we all kind of have a general idea. It's going to create more jobs. People are all worried that, oh, you're taking away coal. Yes, but we're evolving. They, um, farmers during the Industrial Revolution had the same fear. That, oh my God, how are we going to make money? Machines are going to do it because you're going to find new skills and new jobs. I mean, what have you seen and read about on, you know way more about this stuff than any of us. I mean, the big thing with the new act that's going to do is gas prices nobody likes. Nobody likes going to the pump and paying high gas prices, right? So what do we do? Well, we need to find ways to help Americans not buy gas, which means alternative energy, alternatives to fossil fuels, alternatives to driving. We need to be investing in those things, which lets people shift away from gas, which then actually brings gas prices down when not as many people are out there buying gas. So you now have more green jobs, more alternative energy, a cleaner environment, lower gas prices, all of this when we start to transition away from those gas prices. Yeah, and especially if we're talking about keeping things like local and keeping things in America, I mean, we're the ones trying to do that. Like it, I just don't understand the pushback other than we obviously know like the gas companies and the, and the coal companies and they're all in somebody's pocket. But I mean, this will actually be even more lucrative Right. Yeah, there are like two thousand coal jobs in the entire state yeah. of Ohio. Yeah. There are over a hundred ten thousand renewable energy jobs and growing dramatically. Coal is shrinking. Green energy is growing dramatically. And to coal is shrinking because it's not competitive. Yeah. It's just simply not competitive yeah. on the market anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's one of the jobs that no one actually wants. I mean, right. They, it's dangerous. A lot of health effects. Actually, causes cancer working in a coal mine. Yeah. Well, it must be that clean energy in those caves. Um, <laughs> M- Mandy, do you deal with any of the kids? Or Rachel, I ask you as well. Um, do do you deal with any of them talking? And you know, maybe yours are too young. The ones you're talking to, but talking about the fear of kind of like this kind of stuff. Or they look because as a kid, I didn't think about this stuff. 
you know, you'd be like, oh, go hug a tree, hippie. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm surprised. I'm always so surprised by my, not the younger ones, but the teens. I'm always so impressed and surprised by how knowledgeable they are and how much they are actually looking into the future and um, human rights and how, and just what does it look like with, you know, um, recycling and green energy and things like that. I mean, they're really, they do know a lot and there are a lot of um, my teens. I mean, not as much about economics and things like that. Sure. I think that they're still learning about that in school, you I'm know. Still yeah, it. exactly. Still we're, we're still learning about college. Same. We're working yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. We're trying. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that they talk about that as much, but they do talk about the future of, you know, human rights and why is this person making fun of this person still? I thought we were past this. And I'm always really surprised by how educated and um, not surprised by how educated, just how thoughtful, I think, because a lot of ki- yeah. people look at teens and are like, oh, they're such brats. They're so awful. And I've not had that experience. When I was a teenager, I was just trying to chase girls and find boobs. Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's boobs and be- boobs. Right. And like yeah. that, that I am impressed when a young yeah. person is like talking about the future. I'm like, oh, well, I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. No. Shit. Yeah. I think people that say that have not actually talked to young people mm-hmm. because yeah. when you talk to them, you see exactly what you do. They're amazing. And then if you look at the data, we have lower teen pregnancy rates. We have all on all indicators. Our teens today are better than any generation. Right. If you look at grandma, grandma was getting busy way more often than your grandkids were like, sorry, no one wants to think about the grandma having sex right now but she was right she's just not talking <laughs> about it she had six right. kids exactly. i mean we know grandma was having <laughs> some fun <laughs> you know the old folks homes have trouble with stds I've and there's heard a reason that. they have trouble with stds yes. <laughs> oh, yeah we just took a really weird turn. Yeah. <laughs> we so went there, right? Let's keep talking about old people having sex. <laughs> let's let's take into that. So, are we fucked or who's fucking grandma? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a double entendre. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to bounce back from that. One. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of great at the same Yep. Yep. You'd expect the economist to talk about grandmas having sex on this episode. I mean, I it so. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even our grandparents who made it through, let's say, the World War II or, or, you know, even generation before that. Getting by by getting busy. When you yeah. think about, like, I, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody here, but I'm going to talk about, I'm, I'm 44, and I remember the first major news incident that I remember, I, second grade, the Challenger explosion, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. What, I don't know where you were when it happened, but I remember I was literally in school watching it happen and i remember mr pellucci bless his heart i hope he's still out there and i he was fantastic i heard he's getting busy in the senior <laughs> um is that he was my home? second grade teacher and he married my sixth grade teacher so i don't want to think about it oh. so <laughs> they were doing some math <laughs> and six and nine you know what you're in timeout <laughs> Gross. um but i remember you know that's the first major thing that i have to that i have to go back to i teach four-year-olds they have never known a normal school year. And, you know, sitting next to a therapist, I can say, well, what is normal? Mm. But but really, yeah. like, they've never known a, you get up and you start, you have, you've got your first day of school rituals and you get on the bus and you're not wearing a mask and you're, you go and you share, um, you share your lunch with your neighbor and whatever. And that's not what it looks like anymore. Right. And, and kids are resilient that they are, but kids are also, they're not little adults. They have the same feelings and the same reactions and the same responses that we do. Do we kind of think that that, <laughs> that 
phrase has been overused and Kids it's are resilient? shit. Yeah. I do. I do. Like, doesn't it seem like a cop out? I mean, yeah, they are. Yes. But and that's no. not an excuse like, to like. Yes and no. Like, I think that they're resilient and they adapt really. You know, kids sure. can adapt. And I think maybe that's what we should be saying more than resilient. Like, they can adapt. I, I feel, feel like I agree. it's used yeah. as an excuse. And I'm not saying I disagree with what you guys no, are saying. Yeah. Kids are, I mean, uh, biologically, physiologically, yeah. intellectually, they they are. I, I mean, mean, I can't ride a laundry basket down the stairs yeah. anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, we, look, let's be honest. We were all kids in the '80s. Like <laughs> the shit that we did, like we freak out if we saw young kids doing today. What I mean by that, though, is that you know, how much should we expect of them? Because they've got the same That's feelings and right. the same responses and things, but they don't have the same coping mechanisms that grownups they have. Don't, they're not mentally, developmentally there yet. They right. can't have they the can't. same. They can't. Right. And I, I feel like sometimes we expect a lot of kids. That's what I mean by the resilience That's part. That's what I'm getting like at. It's like they'll, they'll say it in a way of like, well, it's fine because they'll bounce they'll back. They'll bounce back. Right. No, I see what you mean. We got we to gotta give them a little grace. We, right. We need to give them a little more room Saying they're process. resilient doesn't mean don't give them the tools to work through this shit. Correct. Because that is oftentimes used as kind of like a throwaway line. Well, the, he'll be fine. Just walk it off. That's the rub some dirt on it. Right. That's the, you know, you're a yeah. tough up. Be a man. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're a good kid. You so know, whatever. Our, the first time we brought our kids <laughs> yeah. to a restaurant after the pandemic, I was like, everyone's sitting here. Please be aware. This is the first time we've been in a restaurant in two years. Yes. Let's give them a little space because this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> We're going to test your resiliency after this. <laughs> I was actually impressed by how well some of the kids did with masks more than adults, though, I have to oh, say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they did like, not yeah. I mean, no. they, they did not give That's two what shits. I mean is like they're adaptable because they, they adapted so well in that. They don't know any different, but it's no. also sad that they don't know exactly. any different. Exactly. But it's also That's empathy. I think they had more, like they were, they were thinking of others there all day long teaching about, you know, and talking about their classmates and, and right. that community. And that is the challenge is that the, like if they don't know any normal school year without a mask, that's that's fine. If that's their normal, right. that's that's fine. Yeah. It's the adults who come in and muck things up yes. and say, well, you don't have to wear a mask. No, you don't get to tell my kid to wear a mask. That's, that's not, that's don't put that, don't put your baggage on four-year-olds. That's where it's like more is caught than taught, right? Yep. Like yep. that's where it's like, you know, then they're going, oh my gosh, well, my dad said I didn't have to wear a mask, <laughs> you know? And it's, it, that's where I think it does get mucked up. It's just, it's just, it's sad that they have to. You're talking about the Challenger explosion. I was really young when that happened. And like, we can count probably on one hand before 2020, or let's say 2016, how many, like, there was like, for me, it was like that, uh, Columbine. You know, Columbine, Columbine, sure. Nine eleven, Virginia Tech, nine eleven, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Like it was OJ, OJ. Monica Gen Lewinsky. One, but my point one, is, Channel One News. <laughs> half of it was just like entertainment, but yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not that many life-altering, life-changing right. things. Right. And these kids are born into this world where, like, every day it's something new. Co Columbine was truly defining for me because before I was a junior in high school, before that, school shootings were not. A, a thing, you know, that doesn't happen here. Right. Or uh, they, I, I don't know if they happen. But our anymore. generation didn't do anything about it. Columbine happened yeah. and we were like, wow, this is really sad. Hopefully it never happens again. Thoughts and prayers. We, right. Thoughts and prayers. And we we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Thoughts and prayers. But now these kids, Parkland, you know, happens. And they're like, you know what? We're going to do something about it. We're going to stand up. We're sure. going to speak out. Our generation, when that happened in Columbine, nobody spoke out. Nobody said anything really. It was sad. I Thoughts think and it's prayers. because. Why, do you guys, this is a good question. Do you guys um, identify as millennials or Xers or cuspers? 
I'm definitely a millennial. Like oh. maybe an exennial. That's I've maybe yeah. that's the cusp. Like a cusp like group. a zennial. Yeah. yeah. That's what I consider myself. Analog and digital. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys are the same age as me and you're you're on I'm, the, I'm technically Gen X. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the you're on the other side of that cusp. You're still kind of a cusper as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like I think the like the younger millennials, because I think some of those kids were still on the cusp of millennial, are doing stuff about it. But Gen X and start of Y, we're known to just not give a fuck. Well, you know, and they talk about, and I personally was not, but they say, you know, Gen X was the the latchkey generation. We were the kids that got ourselves off the bus yeah. at the, and let ourselves in and made our bagel bites in the microwave and, you know, and looking we were for kind a sponsorship from bagel bites. Right. We, <laughs> we were the end of that generation. Like, right. You know, right. I made my breakfast, like I made my lunch in elementary school and I sucked at it. <laughs> like PBJ, I have visceral memories of too much jelly consistently. Oh, like, and soggy bread. Yes. Yeah, and it would bleed through and my friends would have this cut up PBJ with the crust out and it would Aww. be covered in a note from my mom. My mom was a bit of a sleeper in her lover. And I would just <laughs> have this monstrosity of a PBJ. <laughs> That's funny. No one would trade with me. You know what, and I, I think about it like in terms of generation two because like my, in my household, um, it was... I had a nuclear family, mom and dad and me and a little sister. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, <laughs> Catholic household, of yeah. course we did. Well, obviously. Um, but um, ours was different in that dad was the one who took us to school. I mean, he worked full time. He just worked different shifts. And so he was the one that took us to school and chaperoned field trips and dropped off lunches. My mom had a, an eight to five job and dad had different shifts. And even that was kind of weird. What I love about this generation, and this is one of the positive things, is um, it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you've got people who love you and support you, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's a little. No, no. That makes perfect sense because like you're, you're essentially like culturally programmed to mm -hmm. feel like this mm -hmm. is right and this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And w our generation was told there's only one right, right family. Right. You know, if there's a missing piece, it just doesn't work. You're uh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're that kid. That's weird. You're that you don't kid. have a dad. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's or how you have two dads. The, or so you have the difference now. And the kids are like, oh, you have two moms? Cool. Hey, yeah. you want to play this game? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have hey, I who cut Legos? the crust off Exactly. Yeah. Which mom? <laughs> oh no, the kids are great. I'm just not sure our world's going to make it till we can hand it off to them. Right. That's, if we can, sad. though, I think the kids are going to be great. Well, and yeah. I think that great. what's been cool for me to see is like even growing up. Um, and I mean, I grew up in a very conservative town, and you know, if someone was gay or a lesbian, they were like, oh, "Did you know that there's a gay kid?" It's like it was like such a big deal, and now it's like, "Oh yeah, there's someone who's like they just talk about it so freely and beautifully," in that they're like. Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. You know, they don't care. It's the same. Individually or yeah, in, like the in environments? Like the high school kids yeah. don't care which bathroom you use. No. Use the bathroom that's appropriate to you. And watch it's your the politicians hands. that care. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So like what do the children, what do the kids that they're trying to protect from the gay agenda or whatever it is that they're trying to do, like the don't say gay bill? Like obviously like I don't, even in Florida, even in conservative areas, I can't imagine kids give a shit about that. Oh, no, the they kids don't. don't give a shit. They're, They're protecting the parents. It's the parents. Yeah, it's the parents. Yeah. Fragile ego. They're very of, sensitive, of the, parent. the parents. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
And usually when I have a kid who's like, well, this kid in my class was saying that, you know, was kind of, there's always one kid who has to say the opposite thing, right? Or like be that kid, whatever. And they're like, but I know that their parents are really concerned. Like, it's just so funny how they're so matter of fact about it. Like, but I know that they're, they're getting it from their parents. And I'm like, that's, you guys are so like insightful into all of this. It's just so much more than I ever was. I know you guys are making me feel really dumb because like when I was a kid, None of this stuff came to my mind. No. Like I'm, I'm, I actually do feel a little bit better knowing that the next generation is way more intuitive and like way more like in tune with what's happening in the world. I think our point then is more of like the kids aren't fucked. It's like, well, I guess it's like the kids are going to do great. Like you were oh, saying, the kids are going to do great. It's just, are we fucking up for them? Oh, we are. Yes, How we much are, are we yeah. doing to make their lives How much terrible. of a mess are they going to have to clean up exactly. because we can't get our shit together? Exactly. Well, let's switch to something a little bit happier. The musician spotlight this week shines brightly on Madison Cummins. Her sound, influenced by folk, classic rock, indie, and alternative, draws inspiration from artists like Nora Jones, Sarah Bareilles, and Carole King. Madison's debut album, Odd Little Place, was released in 2013, followed by her sophomore album, Antidote, in July 2020. Madison continues to write and perform music in the Northeast Ohio area. You can take a look at all of her music and socials at madisoncummins.com. That's M-A-D-I-S-O-N-C-U-M-M-I-N-S dot com. As parents, what do you guys teach your kids when the news is showing school shootings and kids having to fear for their lives? I mean, have you, your kids are pretty young. Have you had to have any of these talks with them? Not about a school shooting, but they do drills. And so I've talked about it with our oldest daughter, Nora. You know, how does that make you feel? Do do you feel scared when you have a drill? And she very right now, matter of factly, is, you know, talks about what they do in the drill, what's happening, if there's a stranger, what they should do. And I'm actually impressed with how well they do handle it. I know, you know, some kids really struggle with that and it's scary. I think that's why the word adapt is better than the word resilient. Resilient implies that they're going to bounce back and it's the the same normal, but we're in a new normal, you know, where the policy rem- remedy in the Ohio State House for school shootings was more guns and now we've made it easier for guns to be in classrooms. So they are they're adapting to a new normal. It's but it's a, a terrible one in which they're less safe. So I worry about it. Um our daughter's pretty tuned in, like relatively tuned in our, our eldest and is mature enough to to start she asks questions about that. So we definitely we I try to reassure her and I know Amanda does the same that she's safe and that she's in a safe community and in a safe school. I don't want her to have this fear. Like that's that's my concern. But at the same time it's like should you give out. her should you give her a healthy The fear? shooters of today have done the drills. Yeah. So they know what to look. That is what freaks me out. Yeah. So I I struggle with that yeah. balance of well she should be aware. She should like if she if this happens in her school, she should know what's going on and know that she's what she's got to do. So it's a real struggle. 
Do you talk to kids about that anxiety a lot? Oh, I've had kids who've come in and have been anxious, especially not as much after Texas. And I think it was just because the end of the school year was happening right at that same time. So they were like focused on summer. I don't know. But after Parkland, I had a few um, teens that were very anxious about going to school and were um, more, I think they were just more nervous, like how there's no preventative measure. There's nothing, how do we, you know, there's nothing that we can do. And I think it was just such a helpless feeling for them. We can do as many drills as we want to, but if someone wants to get in, they'll get in. And I was working in the schools right after, um, oh gosh, what was the one in? It's sad that there's so many. so many. We can't remember. There's yeah. so many. The one, Chardon? No, not Chardon. There was the other one, Dayton. the other big one. Um, that was the kindergarten. It was like the younger oh, Sandy schools. Hook. Sandy Hook. Thank oh, you. Yeah. I was like, why the other that big name? one? The other big one. I, it's sad, but um, but Sandy Hook. I was working in the school system, and I remember I went into the schools, and they know me so well. But they were like, we need to see your badge. We need to do this. And it was like after that, everything was buttoned up. But then I wonder how much, how long are they buttoned up for? Right. Like how long is that happening? And then my sister, she called the school um, where my nephew attends and was like, you guys didn't even say anything after this recent shooting in Texas. What are you guys doing to make sure everything is safe? And it's like, why is no one talking about it? I think why that was- Why is no one talking about that, it? That, why is no one telling the parents, these are the measures we're taking? Right. This is what we're doing. You know, at least- like, that's yeah. happening. As as a politician, public servant, I prefer public servant, but <laughs> it's hard to keep any subject out there. It's really, really hard. Even something as brutal as that. Um, our 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 collective attention span. I mean, people are busy in their lives, and our collect our, the news cycles faster, and it's more dispersed, and people get their news from different places, and it's hard to have a national conversation about anything. So the energy that it takes to keep an issue like school shootings out there, unfortunately, like it's the shootings themselves that generate some talk about it in policy, but it's hard. We're not good at talking about it. We talk about it in sound bites and talking points. We don't talk about it and how it actually affects us, how it makes us feel, how we have to react to it. So even with like the Dobbs decision with reproductive rights, I don't hear enough organizations saying how do we address healthcare for our employees. I don't hear enough universities saying, how do we address healthcare for our students? What do we need to do? I don't hear enough people reacting to the real world. How does this affect us? It's just talking points and sound bites. Is it because everyone's trying to save their own ass or just get through their job? I don't or? think we think about how it affects us. I think we kind of go about our day and we don't think about, you know, oh, well, what about this brand new freshman at my university? What does this mean for her? I don't think they we think that way. I think we just kind of think, Here's what my daily life is. We don't think about how this changes it for other people. I think a lot of people are burnt out on it too. Like, oh, there was oh, yeah. a school shooting this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tr yeah. Trump's presidency was exhausting. Yeah. It was exhausting and it's made it harder. I think it was the Highland part is the Highland shooting over July 4th where you actually had moms say, are you kidding me? Like literally think about that. Yeah. People are being shot and killed and moms just go, are you kidding me? Yeah. And that's what you think Sad. as people are dying because yeah. you're so sick of you're it. You're so yeah. desensitized. Uh, today I saw the video. I don't know if it was from yesterday or a couple of days before uh, where uh, Beto O'Rourke was giving a, um, a speech at it looked like a town hall. And he's talking about the kids and Uvalde. Yeah. Yeah. The Uvalde shooting. And some guy actually laughed and it was great. Casey and I were talking about this offline. It's just like. Beto's done a really good job of being very buttoned up and very like objective. And the guy's laughing. He's like, 
you might be laughing, motherfucker, but I'm not. Like the fact that he said that, I was. I I don't know. What are your thoughts? That's on the that? energy we need right now. It's yeah. authentic. That's it makes me he, want to vote for him. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. he right. said what he Since felt. I can't, I want to donate. You know, like yeah. he's a that's human. What I want to hear with yes. emotions and like there was a guy laughing at the at the story of 19 kids and two teachers getting gunned down. And yeah, that's the appropriate response to that. Yeah. And you know, to to try and it, you can only ignore this stuff for so long until it eats everything. You have to confront it, and sometimes you have to use their language and you have to use their words to do it. And he did, and it was like you saw in the room there was a jolt, an immediate yeah. jolt of energy. And you know, I felt it just watching the video, and like that was a moment. Politics is around moments, right? And when you can have those, you can move. And it was a knee jerk, which yeah is. If anybody was offended, it was, it's excusable. He didn't tweet it yeah. and then delete it and retweet it after he misspelled Kabafi or whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, th- that's 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 the that's the difference is right. and and that's what people liked. I mean, people liked Bernie Sanders, for example, because he was kind of like that rough around the edges, crazy guy, and you know he he was the outsider. I mean, I think we yeah. do need some genuine authenticity in our politics, like like. It's all become, you know, legalese and and weenie words and and rhetoric and horseshit. And it's great to hear somebody who's candid and who cares, who gives what's, a shit. What's yeah. interesting? Like, and, and his name is Casey Weinstein. Vote oh. for him. <laughs> and I'll take it right from there. Yeah. What's 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 interesting? You can contribute. <laughs> we we do live in a day. Yeah. Thank you for that. We do we do live in a age of of a lot of data and with social media, the data is very. There's a lot of fidelity in the data. And one thing that we know is that finely polished uh, videos that you put out, like nice content that looks like a commercial does not get a lot of engagement. What gets engagement are selfie style videos Mm -hmm. and unfiltered and spur of the moment and unscripted and real and raw. And that's what that moment was. And that's what connects with people and breaks through. It's not TV, right? Like our kids watched TV the other day, like for the first time. And what did Brady call commercials? It did not go well. He said interruptions or something. <laughs> and he oh was like, gosh. what? what is this? Why is my show? Why did my show stop? I Can don't even understand. Ads? Yeah. Yeah. He was super pissed. And I was like, dude, like you have no idea. But like that, that real connection that breaks through the veneer of a TV commercial, that's what connects. So the future of my career is fucked. Um, <laughs> that's what we've already established. We're having real moments. I, I, I'm not going to be able to make commercials anymore. What we, interruptions anymore? Um, interruptions. Brady's yeah. going to get pissed. <laughs> and so, and so you would think that most people have the same fears and 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 concerns that we do, and that they'd vote in a certain way. And we and we saw that in Kansas, which was a surprise, mm-hmm. but not because we know most Americans even ones who lean a little more conservative, still don't want the government telling you what to do. But the gun thing, I mean, I know we passed something, but its I feel like it's a tiny, tiny little step It's forward. a small step, but it gets the ball rolling. And that's the big thing, because we have had for decades, and I don't mean a couple of years, I do mean decades, we have done nothing on nothing. guns, nothing. So even a small step becomes a massive leap. It's this huge ball that we couldn't get rolling. And so that small step, to me, is hopeful. And so, like, Casey, you've seen, you've been a big part of it. And for the, for our listeners and viewers who aren't uh, local to Ohio, not that it isn't happening in many states, is the issue of trying to move the ball forward where it's at least fair is the gerrymandering that happens. And you've been fighting that at the state level for a long time. Um, you know, 
that also sets us up for for a bad future because it's not really the voice of the people at the end of the day. Yeah, like on the fucked scale, that's like we're pretty fucked. <laughs> yeah. uh, because gerrymandering, I mean, like it's not like democracy just goes away. It's it's not like a binary thing. It's a gradual normalization of the degradation of the vote, right? And the de- the degradation of people's voice in that. And at the state level, we've definitely, definitely been seeing that for decades, where the the representation in the state house is not reflective of the vote in the state. And lawmakers, Amanda says this all the time, lawmakers choose their constituents, not the other way around. And voters, to our credit, passed a constitutional amendment to say, no, the state house districts and the state house representation should align with how we vote. And Republicans in the state house ignored it. Yeah. So this is an example of of shattering norms and a watering down of democracy. And so back to Amanda's original point, that's the immediate threat is our democracy and our power of our vote. And if we don't have that, nothing else really matters. I mean, if we don't have the ability to choose who represents us and have a say in it, then everything falls apart. Mike Madgar, a crew guy, brought up a good point on this the other day. What's the average age of the a politician in Congress? Oh, I so mean, old. They do not represent our views. They don't do not represent the makeup of the the constituents. They like they don't represent us. Even some of the ones who I like, I'm like, you gotta go. You need to let somebody else come in and and do the real work here because you guys, you know, I think you become either complacent or corrupt after so much time when you're having to do so many backdoor deals just to stay in that seat. Like it gets really scary, but they, they already don't represent us at the federal level. And it's sad that it happens even at the state and local levels where they don't represent the people who are in there. And so of course the policies are going to change has nothing to do with us. I mean, that's an interesting thought. So if you think about who are a lot of the people that get most attention on the right, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, they're young. Yeah. Right. So these young, crazy Republicans get a whole bunch of attention, but maybe because we're just sick of hearing from a bunch of old people. AOC uh, has a huge following. Yeah. 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 She yeah. connects with she connects with young voters on social networks we don't even know exist. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> game, there's like there's gaming networks. There's like yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, there's like Twitch. Like it's a huge, yeah. massive network that we God, don't we even sound know. old. I know. What is it? Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. yeah. Is he on the Twitcher? I, I don't Does understand. Does he Twitch or know every it, night? Yeah. But like, is that a dance? Now, move? what is yeah. a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing that right now? No. Am I doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Are we? Oh are dear. We right now? So Matt, is this the podcast? Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> Where? Are the viewers out there right now? I don't see them. They're all around us. They're all around us. We sound, we do sound yes. old. And, I, and I'm, we are. I am glad I am out of touch with all of But we're 40 years younger than a whole bunch of politicians out there. That's the, the right sad now. truth. You know, we're talking about uh, kids aren't afraid of it. Like, don't say gay. Like, the giant, giant thing about critical race theory that's going on. Where I think your average child, kids are all about diversity and all about being friends. They don't give a shit who they're friends with or like you said, they don't even bat their eye and they're like, they're going to poison our brains. Like we're, that's, I think that's part of what scares me about the future is we're not learning anything from our past. Like anything that we didn't like that or that's bad. Let's just, let's move past it. What's done is done. So there is no, like, let's reflect on it unless it's a statue of a racist. Let's keep that. Yeah. I know you've talked about it before. Like you've, 
talk to your daughter about her friend who's black and how you want her to be treated the same as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like to a kid, that's a no brainer. It's like, yeah, why would they be treated differently? Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is totally natural. Like with critical race theory, which of course is not taught in our schools. I think we, we need to point out not just that, like, don't, don't have the argument. Don't be on defense right away. Like we need, we're really bad, I think about being on offense. And that's what I've tried to do. So with this bill, the bills in the Ohio house now, um, one of the bill sponsors came out and did this disastrous interview where she accidentally told the truth, which is, which is the definition of a gaffe in politics when you <laughs> about her bill, which, uh, would mandate teaching both sides of the Holocaust. And as a Jewish person or just a person with a moral compass, I was like, no, we, we should, we should both be able to take sides. a stand. Yeah. Not just both sides, but treat them equally and not take a stand. The eyes always. I feel like my eyes just like bulged out of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so as, you know, as a, as also like a girl who grew up Jewish, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and ironically, the bill sponsor never was in school. She was homeschooled and chose not to go to college, which is fine until you start trying to legislate what is taught for our kids in school. Yeah. So. I, I, I mean, that's pretty much the MO, though. Like, you yeah. have a bunch of men being like, hmm, I don't have a uterus, but let me tell you what to do with yours. That, that's exactly Thank it. You. And I, I'm going to repeat something that I said before um, on, a, on a different episode, but, like, I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to med school. I'm not going to go to the American Medical Association and say, hey, guys, this is how we're going to do this now. I didn't go to law school. I don't have my JD. I'm not going to go down to the bar and be like, hey, guys. Not our lane. New stuff. Stay in your lane, folks. But every single person at this table was taught by a teacher. And so everybody who was taught feels like, hey, you know what? I spent time in a classroom. I know what the hell what we're going to do. Stay in your lane. Oh, I feel let like me, that until the pandemic. Me. When I had to be a kindergarten teacher for even like one month, I was like, I clearly am not that. And I don't know how to Listen, do that. I took gonna 14 let the four year olds swimming today. So Whoa. how many of them Respect. made it back? All of them. I will say it took two and a half hours to do for 20 minutes in the pool. So sure. But but yeah, Man but like, but really stay in your lane. My goodness. Don't let us teach. My gosh. And I don't have to do, I'm not, I don't even have to do elaborate lesson planning. Um, there are standards for the age group that I have, but I, I don't have to, you know, make sure they're hitting certain mile markers. I need to make sure that people can print their names and use scissors to go to pre-K. Um, so my standards, you know, my academic standards are a little lower. Um, I want to see life skills. You know, that's what I want to see. But yeah, but also, yeah, just stay in your lane. Let people just, let us do our jobs. Well, oh, Republicans when, say they don't like regulations until it comes to education. And they're like, oh, wait, you're a teacher? I can regulate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. wait, you're a nurse? Yeah, I can regulate that too. They Let me have freedom, mm -hmm. except mm -hmm. when it comes to what yeah. books we can read. Well, and if you're not happy with the pay scale, we have some veterans who are out of work and who can just be teachers oh my instead. Because <laughs> oh. it doesn't take I am in skills. no way qualified to be in the armed forces at all. <laughs> but... But sure, let's let veterans, many of whom may have PTSD, you know, let's put them in a classroom. Yeah. Right. Give, them, give them my room for yeah. a day. Grace <laughs> <laughs> and I have been trained to use a rifle, but we did not handle the pandemic that well, becoming teachers. <laughs> well, no, that's perfect with being a teacher because, I mean, we're going to give them all rifles anyway. So that's, that's true. true. Oh, we will man. be off. Yes. Oh. Well, and, and, you know, my job is to throw my body in front of somebody else's children. So. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what that's you're good for. That's our expectation, right? 
You're what I signed up for. Right, you're exactly. Oh, you're an That's what I signed That's up right. for. Yeah. I knew what I was getting Yeah, what to. are your thoughts on that uh, real quick? Because obviously I, I, it's, it's a joke, right? I mean, saying like instead of fixing the education system the right way, well, the veterans have been bitching over here, so we'll just, yeah, there you go. Everybody wins. We appeased you. Obviously, we just passed some veterans uh, thing, and, and the, you know, the big one, John Stewart was behind. I mean, there's obviously some more bills going on. But as a veteran, did you find that offensive, or did you think, do you see that as, well, maybe they're trying something? I found it offensive when they were celebrating, Ted Cruz and his buddies were celebrating, you know, screw, screwing veterans over. I mean, uh, on We've the house We've been exposed floor. to burn pits. Our yeah. classmates were exposed to burn pits and have a lot of serious health conditions because of this. And Ted Cruz thinks it's funny to like bro it out and high five. Ha ha. We're not going to give them health care for this. Right. Yeah. No, I, I just feel like it's an example of those in power so shielded from like what the impacts of uh, things are to the most vulnerable in our society. That's who they target, the most vulnerable. You know, women, poor people, you know, people without, um, like, you know, like, I don't know, like they'll find LGBT kids. Yeah. I mean, they, they will go after the most vulnerable <laughs> veterans with like real injuries. I mean, that's, that's where they target. And it's just disgusting. Yeah. It drives me crazy because it should not have to happen to you for it to matter to you. Yes. Like you, it doesn't have to affect you. You don't have to experience it personally in order to say, Hey, you know what? This is kind of important. Nice Can you imagine walking through life thinking, I'm never going to get cancer. I'm yeah. never going to have an ectopic pregnancy. My kid's never going to have autism. Right. Like, man, how yeah. do you walk through life that way? Must be nice. It's like that one poem where it's like, um, this didn't affect me, so I didn't say anything. Yeah. This didn't affect yeah. me, so I didn't say anything. And then they came for this population and I didn't say anything. And then they came for me and there was no one left. Yep. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, now. before 2020, I don't remember hearing in – in the public forum, the term cognitive dissonance. Mm. Like, I think I learned about it in psychology in college, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, it, white people could not understand why black people were pissed about George Floyd, you know? And it started there and got worse and worse and worse. And that became the term, I think, of 2020. If it doesn't impact me, I don't give a shit. And so as we're talking about all this, the good thing is it sounds like the, the kids, the next generation gives a shit. Are they going to turn into us, though? Is that political divide going to be there when your kids are our age? I don't, they're growing up in such a different world. I think it's impossible to say. But I do think um, I do think our generation is is parenting in a different way. I mean, you know, there's definitely much more equal involvement, you know, with and I think there's much more openness. You know, just kind of comparing it to my childhood uh, in what kids are exposed to and what they talk about, um, you know, how that'll play out. I don't know, but, um, I, I, I think we're, our, I think we're doing a pretty good job of parenting. I'm just going to say that for all our, I, our I think you should. We're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely I mean, we, never like use m and I mean, yes. bribe for my kids. Yeah. Where are your kids right now? Do you guys know? Oh, shoot. <laughs> They're around. They're somewhere. We've got three. If we make it three yeah. with two, like. They're playing with axes in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, I did mean a collective we. I understand. I, yeah. I agree. Yes, Amanda and I are the best. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I think the big difference is that our generation has embraced therapy and talking through things unlike previous ones. Absolutely. I think that 
are, I think it's like almost one of my clients actually said this the other day that they're like, it's kind of like people are talking about it. Like, oh, I have a dentist appointment kind yeah. of a thing. Like, oh, I'm going to see my therapist and then I'm going to go do this and blah, blah, blah. And like that would have been, I would have been mortified if I was in therapy when I was younger and been like, I'm going to therapy. Like yeah. it would have been such yeah. like a, like a thing. But is it? No. I mean, and mental it, no. health and physical health. Not it's anymore. all in one. And it should in be. And, and it's funny because, you know, people who I talk to, I, I talk about it very openly. I, I've said it on the uh, podcast a bunch of times, like everybody should be in therapy. No matter how well adjusted you might be, therapy isn't just when you're in the shitter. Therapists need therapists. <laughs> therapists need, and don't let any therapist fool you. Never, ever. Don't it's let like them. the shoemaker's kids kind of thing. They're just as nuts as the rest of them. I mean, maybe even more so. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't let us fool you. We may Mandy, look put together, but. Mandy has been therapizing herself in the mirror for many years <laughs> and it has worked out well. Oh, yeah. oh, I had a bunch of girlfriends who would just casually be like, oh, yeah, I just talked to my therapist. And they would yeah. just, I was like, you just, I was like, you seem so put together. And they go, hon, why do you think I seem so put together? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, honestly, oh, honestly, yeah. 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 all right. It's so, good. So that, I mean, that's good. It, and that goes to your point. I do think that's the one thing that I've noticed without being a parent, being able to see the other parents in my, in my generation, I think there is more candid conversation with the child. Not inappropriate, candid, but kind of like, you know, we'll talk about in a future episode about purity culture. What oh. I was taught about sex, the bird and the beast <laughs> talk was don't have sex till you're married. Oh, mine is all about gum. Gum? Chew gum. Oh, yeah. You haven't heard this? Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Rachel, no. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants the household. chewed piece of gum. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, my oh. gosh. They want a fresh piece. That's, that's right. Not that's oh, yeah. so, that's I'm terrible. surprised you guys haven't heard this analogy. No. No, 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 no. They say it to girls. They yes. don't say that's it to boys. That's true. It's okay if boys are a chewed right. piece of gum because girls like chewed gum. Boys don't like chewed yes. gum. Yeah, well, that and, you know, girls don't actually like sex. It's, yeah. it's their currency. <laughs> you're allowed to give it out only when you're right. married to one man and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are Correct. watching. <laughs> are uh, watching. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah. And, and that, that goes down the rabbit hole to a very different episode. Yeah. But it's still important because the way that you guys are raising the children, the way that collectively this generation is raising it, is like, I'm not going to fuck you up the way that my parents fucked me up. And I'm going to fuck you up a little bit less. A little right. bit less. That's our goal. I feel or, like that's a good goal. It, it gives or you different. character to have a little bit of fucked up. <laughs> you know, you yeah. need some character. But what yeah. I'm saying is from a from a, uh, a therapy standpoint, it's I, I said whether or not I have kids like the generational trauma stops with me. And I see a lot of people in this generation saying the same thing. Yeah. I'm not going to let I mean, yeah, you're going to mess up your kids no matter what. Like we're we're still human, but as long as you love them and care for them, and that love and care um, outweighs yeah. the cultural bullshit. So my parents loved and cared for me, but also Jesus would cry if I had sex before marriage, you know. <laughs> so it's like we don't operate that way. It's like yeah, right. I'm not going to try to pass that nonsense off on you. Right. So like, what have you guys done differently with your children than how you were raised? Would you say? Hmm. I just I think. Um, I, I had a wonderful childhood, but you know, my dad went to work early from early in the morning, actually for Ronald Reagan in the White House, from early in the morning until late at night, and he'd be there just in time for dinner. And that was just that was standard, right? Um, for me, like I'm there. I, I really am there. I do travel a little bit and some days I'm down in Columbus, but most days I really I commute. I come home from Columbus because I want to be there every night that I can 
and every morning and take them to their activities. And I do the laundry in our household. And I try to, I try to do a lot of those activities so they don't associate them with, well, mom does this and dad does that. So I try to make them see us co-parenting and equal. I won't say it's equal because it's, it's not the burden's still on the mom, but I, I think there's much more balance and we are both more present in their lives. So not the like traditional gender roles of, yeah. of mom and dad or whatever, you right. know, the family mm-hmm. might be. I think that's huge. That's a big deal. Because perception's big too. And it, it absolutely, um, it kind of defines your relationship moving forward. The way I look at my parents, I mean, I'm 40 and it took me a long time to see them as people because I saw them as their roles. Mm. So this one likes me more because he's funny, buys me treats, and you know. And this one just nags and bitches at me all day, <laughs> so she sucks, you know. And now it's like I kind of appreciate my mom for, uh, you know, I, for I just keeping the wheels on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was no there was no winning when culturally you you did choose those things over, you know, how you actually feel. You know, I feel like. They gave into the roles. Mandy, I want to ask you, um, what is the biggest fear that your your clients collectively, obviously you can't talk about Ooh, any of them. No, directly, I can't talk about specifics. But are, is there a major trend that you see that is a fear for either the day, the next day, or the future? So I think it's a lot. There's, I'm seeing a lot of anxiety. I've been seeing an increase in anxiety, and a lot of it is pressure. And I think that Um, There's a lot of pressure to be in certain sports, to please other people. There's a lot of pressure to be in these um, AP courses or doing whatever you need to do. And even I had a 10-year-old that was so terrified of school testing. And it's like the state testing. And it's like, that doesn't even matter. You don't get a grade back for it. It's okay. (laughs) And so when I told them that, they were like, what? You mean like my teacher was telling me this, that this is so important and I better get sleep tonight for no reason? And I was like, kind of, yeah. Like I was real with them. It's just that I think that that's just so much pressure. Like a 10-year-old should never be that upset over state testing. And I think that that's one of the biggest things for me is like, what pressure are we putting on these kids? And then I think about- They're resilient. They can take all the pressure in the world. Exactly. And I think that that's where I really struggle is the amount of pressure we put on them. And then- there's so much lack the, – the amount of negative self-talk that I hear, a lot of um, I'm not enough, I'm not doing this enough. You're seeing okay. a lot of the physical like dysmorphia oh, and body absolutely. dysmorphia. Absolutely. Yeah. There's lots of that going on, which is sad. And I think that I've had to show some of my clients, look at what Photoshopped or whatever. Look at what filters. Look at what this does, that does because they're like – you can put a filter on TikTok. Yeah, girl. Like, there's lots of filters oh, on TikTok. Oh, the moms know. The Don't moms let them know. bullshit I was you. like, do, do not even, like, I was like, please do not think that that's real. You know, mom's and- Tinder profile makes her look like she's about 21. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big one. And I would really love to see, and I don't, and I would love to hear what you have to say about this too, because I don't know if this is being taught, but I would love to see more, like, trauma-informed care, more trauma-informed um, talks going on at schools because I don't think that a lot of teachers understand that this kid can't function because he just witnessed like this major catastrophe happen at home or what, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of like, oh my gosh, this kid's just bad. And and it's like, no, their parents are in the midst of a divorce and their and dad just stormed out of the house and maybe some other stuff happened. You know, it's yeah. just, there's so much that I think that we don't um, give kids credit for that. Like, what are they witnessing right now that might not be so great? 
Yeah. Yeah. We're not trained for that. Even at the university level, like no. I'll have a student say, I witnessed my friend who was shot and killed. And I just, I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. Let let me give you to a resource because I am not trained to handle this right now. And I am only educated enough to know I can't handle this. Right. 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 And I think that it would be great if we had more of that trauma-informed care just going on. Not that you should, everyone should be a counselor, but just be able to understand and have empathy and, you know, deal I mean, with it. Yeah, obviously, you know, obviously to actually work through it, you right. need you somebody need, who's, right. who's trained. But like just doing, it, it's this kind of stuff that we keep seeing pushback from certain crazies about, you know, just like how we need to learn to communicate in the workplace. Uh, if somebody feels if somebody feels discriminated against or triggered, and it's like, oh, that oh, people are just snowflakes. I, I what what world are you living right. in? <laughs> are you that disillusioned that right. that you really believe that like we're not all experiencing trauma like yeah. all the time? And there's got to be a way where we can at least learn basic communication skills, active listening, and and how to show empathy, even if you don't agree with what the person's saying. With my age group, it's and thank you for saying not everybody should be a counselor because we we're not all equipped no. for it and and a teacher job description. You have so many hats. There's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Um. But what at the end of the day, what it is for me is if I can be a safe adult. Yes. For a four year old, that's that's my job. Everything. That's, that is number one yeah. on my job list. And yeah, we're gonna learn some stuff along the way, and you know we we'll we'll swim and we'll we'll you know. We'll make some finger paintings, whatever. But if I can be a trusted adult for you, that's my job. It's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And that's I what love kids remember. I know. But that's what the kids remember. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I come from a long line of teachers. And for the longest time, I was like, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Nope, nope, nope. And decided a few years ago to to go back and, and go for it. Um and I have only, I've not been doing it. I've only been, I've been in education administration for a long time, but I've never been in the classroom until just recently. And, and now I'm kind of like, it was, it was absolutely my midlife light bulb moment. Like, yeah. duh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm not just saying this to like blow smoke or, you know, earn brownie points. I, I taught at the college level. That's exhausting enough. <laughs> we could do a whole five episode uh, arc on that. Uh, you know, LOL and OMG and essays and shit. I mean, I'm sure you deal with it. I don't know. But I, I uh, guess taught at in a high school English class uh, several years ago. And I got some, I'm sure some looks because at lunch during the break, I went to the teacher's lounge and fell asleep on the couch. I was exhausted for half a day. <laughs> oh. And like the second half, I was like, I don't know that I can do this. <laughs> and the oh thought of God. doing it every day, yeah. nonstop, I could never, I, I'm not just, I, I'm, I'm seriously not just saying this. There's a lot of things. I'm, I'm a very like adaptable human being. Sure. I, I can. You're I resilient. Could, I, I'm, I'm very resilient. <laughs> I could probably do politics for like six months. I, I, you know, maybe I could learn that. Maybe, you know, I've taught at the college level, like. I could never be a psychologist. Um, I'd co-opt every story for, and be like, you're fine. Get the fuck out of here. My problems are worse than yours. But I could never, ever be a teacher. I, not even for a week. There are some times when I go home and I'm like, I am tired on a 
cellular level. Yes. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And like, I'll get home and my husband will look at me and I'm like, I need, I need 45 minutes where no one says my name, where nobody wants anything. I just, shh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say too, I mean, I'm sure whatever teachers you have and your listeners will understand the occupational hazard of teacher voice. Uh-huh. Because, because, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> that's fine you're not ready I'll wait till you're ready oh god teacher voice oh god you, that's scary right yeah. I know, you know, I know. The, I, the hair stands up on the back of your neck yeah and he'll look at me and be like did you and I'm like teacher voice I didn't mean it but it came out I wanted to call all of my teachers after that nap <laughs> in the teacher's lounge and apologize just start calling them all up be like I'm so sorry like I like you should come kick my ass like whatever will make you feel better Ugh, yeah what teachers are doing, the good teachers, the ones who are actually there because they care. Uh, I worked for the communications department of a school district, and I will tell you there are a lot of horrible ones who should never be in the job. But um, the ones who care, and I, I, I want to believe that it's the majority, um, I mean, that you are doing the most important work, and it's everything that we've been talking about through this episode. So I want to kind of end with what we would all like to see happen here in our lifetimes like even in the near future and what gives us hope and I'll start by saying um, what gives me hope is teachers and how we are seeing these kids today I do believe that if we don't fuck them up any more than we already have like maybe they will stand a chance maybe they'll clean up our mess because even though maybe we didn't personally do it our generations did like and, and the ones that came before us really did like we are leaving them with a toxic dump. And I still think they are resilient enough to actually fix it. And But what we need to do is we, I personally think the biggest thing that we can do that will fix, not immediate, but uh, um, address all the problems is start putting term limits on political seats and to start fighting back collectively against horseshit like gerrymandering and and the backdoor politics that happen where the voice of the people is not met because your average person supports equality your average person supports women's rights your average person supports uh you know clean energy and and positive change for the environment but our votes aren't reflected that way because of bullshit so if we can do that and especially with this group of kids who have like learn like the walking dead's nothing to them like shit zombies we can get through that i think we stand a chance and when i I say we i mean beyond us i what i didn't share that i'll share right now is my wife and i have decided not to have children and a big part of it is i mean there's lots of factors but one of the biggest factors is what the fuck are we leaving them with and I, I one time said it to a pregnant woman. I was like, I'm so sorry. That was so inappropriate. She's like, I get it. This scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's well, great, I'm, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, my husband and I always wanted a family. Um, and I, I'm, I'm the oldest grandkid on both sides of my family. And you know, I've got, you know, like I said, there's a whole bunch of them, right? We met later in life. And for a number of different reasons, we discovered that we couldn't have a family. And I grieved that because I always expected that's what you do. You, you know, you grow up, you get married, you have a family. And that's generational as well. But um, now I'm kind of relieved for a number of different reasons. Um, we're, we're older. You know, I'd, I would be pushing 70 when a, when a kid, you know, moves out. 
you know, yeah. go finish his college and moves out. Let me let me interject for yeah. a second because <laughs> I, I I would imagine it was implied, but in case it wasn't for any of our viewers, it is absolutely not saying anything bad about people who have kids and want to have kids. Like absolutely I, not. Obviously. If we're going to survive, somebody has to carry it oh, on. Oh, people with kids totally understood. When people are like, I don't want kids, you're like, I totally get that. No, it's going to be the one person who's like thinking about having kids. Like, that's rude. No, and I, I don't ever, mean Karen? that. Of course. Of course. I don't mean that in a bad way. Of course not. Um, You know, it's something that And I was we, saying for myself. Wanted to, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's something that we wanted to do, but discovered that we couldn't. And we've made our peace with it. And now, like I said, you know, I'm a safe adult for my for my preschoolers, but I'm also, I'm a trusted adult for all those nieces and nephews. I've got girlfriends who their kids, um, I have a standing monthly date with yeah. um, one of my girlfriends and her kids. And I I know Matt and your wife um, because of somebody that I used to nanny for. So and, I, and I like to be, you know, one of the adults in the room for those and kids. And what we've seen uh, in the last few years is like, finding out these people came out of the closet and their parents didn't accept them and people kind of like faux adopting. It's like, yeah. I will be Absolutely. your mom. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, like I'll be a parent I'm your mom for now. you. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. A, a trusted adult who, because as a kid, I saw all adults as they're looking down at me, they're judging me. And if they even knew half the shit I was doing behind their backs, they'd hate me, right? So, so what gives you hope then? I, I think that if we get out of their way, you know, if we can, if we can learn to close our mouths and let them speak up a little bit more, they know what they're doing. And if we just give them the tools, they're like going to be like one okay. of those podcasting things. <laughs> yeah, Twitcher switch. A Twitcher. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to yell at them to get off the lawn. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I I think that I think that's a perfect sentiment. I think you're right. Yeah. I, we've done enough. Let's give them the tools and say, get out of the way. We need you, to stay in our lane. What do you need from us? Right. Exactly. Exactly. How about you guys? You're in politics. You're already doing so much. But what do you want to see happen? Um, I would love to see. Well, I mean, honestly, like I've been quite heartened over the last few months to see what's happening at the federal level. Um, you know, I, I at the state level, Small wins are, are good wins, and I try to I try to focus on those, uh, and I try to focus on changing my mo to uh, fight the extremism that we're seeing every day, and not wait for it to come to the house floor when the battle's already lost. So I, I'd like to see more people aware and in tune with the legislation that is on the table now and engaged. And that what I talked about earlier about keeping people's attention, I'm trying to do that with people. But at a federal level, I'm heartened. I mean. We got gun reform. We got uh, major competitiveness bill. We got a huge injection in in uh, funds into cities and states through the American Rescue Plan. We did an infrastructure bill. We did this climate bill. We did pharmaceutical negotiations. I mean, we're allowing Medicare to to um, negotiate on pharmaceutical prices, which is a huge yeah, issue gigantic. for for access to care. So we've done some amazing things fast, right? Things seem really slow. And then all of a sudden they can happen. So I do have that confidence and I do have that faith that we can still, we're still heading and trending in the right direction and that there will be accountability. So, you know, like more of that and more empathy. I feel like we've kept coming back to empathy. You started it off yeah. with just where do the boundaries of my freedom end? And, you know, once my freedom tips over to like impinging on another's, that's what we need to recognize is let's all maximize the freedoms that we have while maintaining the boundaries for other people so that 
they get to make the choices with their lives that they want to too. So that's what I'd like to see is balance, balance and freedoms. Perfect. Thank Amanda, you. Amanda, how about Thank you? you. <laughs> Vote Casey I Weinstein. I really, <laughs> really love compliments. <laughs> I would love to see us make a big real investment in our kids from universal pre-K, um, universal child care, health care for our kids, all of that. I want to see a big investment in our kids. And I do feel hopeful when I do see young politicians like my husband, Casey, but also like Tim Ryan talking about universal pre-K. I mean, imagine a politician 50 years ago, a man talking about pre-K at all, let alone universal pre-K, right? Didn't happen. That's mom stuff. Yes. A white man. Right. Right. (laughs) But now we hear Tim Ryan and we hear Casey talking about things like universal pre-K. And so I'm hopeful that we can get there next. Mandy, in in all the talks you have, and I'm sure, you know, it runs the gamut from happy, sad, funny, and everything in between. You and Rachel both are, are dealing with psychological aspect and 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 the emotional well-being of these children but are you seeing a trend that gives you hope about what the future looks like absolutely i think that i have a lot of hope because of what i'm seeing from these kids and and i think that if we could give them more space to open up and give them more of a voice even i don't think that they have enough of a voice we don't want to listen to kids we don't i mean as adults we're like your kid should be seen and not heard. You know, I mean, I think that that's something we heard a lot growing up and I, I'm i seeing that dissipate a lot. But at the same time, I still feel like there's a lot of times where all the kids and teens that I see, they just want to be heard. So I think if we could hear them, listen to what's going on for them, they have a lot of good ideas. I mean, they're really, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're funny, um, they're empathetic. They're more empathetic than we are a lot of times. And I just think that if we can listen to them, I think that... Um, that gives me hope, and I think that if we can keep doing that, then we'll see good changes happen. Awesome. So basically, we just need to get out of the way and let these kids live their yeah, lives. Yeah, we need to shut <laughs> up. <laughs> well, thank you so much, all of you, for being here today. This was an awesome, awesome conversation. We covered a lot of things like geriatric sex. And uh, <laughs> I, I, seriously, as somebody who doesn't have a kid but who watches The Next Generation, it's very, very heartening to, to hear from a parental level and from people who work with children all the time that they're resilient, yes, but that doesn't mean that resiliency doesn't need to be met with care and love and the TLC to make sure that they do bounce back and what they come back to isn't anarchists or like crazy angry people like our generation, right? So the future is not screwed. It might be. But there's definitely more episodes coming, so we hope you guys keep tuning in. Thank you again to my panel for being here. They were incredible, and I want you guys to stay tuned. We're going to have more episodes, more fun snippets, and make sure to go to our YouTube channel, and you can see us at thegoingtherepodcast.com, and we will see you next time in the future. While you're at it, give us a rating, share with a friend, and subscribe. Madison Cummins. Check out our website for links to all of our socials and other audio and video platforms at madisoncummins.com. That's M-A-D-I-S-O-N-C-U-M-M-I-N-S.com. This podcast is made possible by its hosts and Frame One Media in association with Lindsay Baker, Joe Cowley, and Bobby Thomas. I feel-